about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. The 2022 football season is upon us. And the moniker for this year is for the Irish. The University of Notre Dame starts off at the Ohio State University. This is going to be a banger of a game. But before we get into that, we wanted to do a full 2022 season breakdown with the boys. I'm joined by Steve and P-Wagon as always. But before we get into all of that, before we give you a breakdown of the teams, we're going to hit our new segment, the hurry, hurry Up Offense, and I'll pass it over to, to P-Wagon. All right, the much-regarded, highly complimented Hurry Up Offense. As a reminder for the listeners at home and you two here, uh, the Hurry Up Offense is a 30-second rant on whatever topic you would like it to be about. The two co-hosts here cannot stop the rant until the 30-second time is up. This is giving the time for the hosts to have the floor. That is the Hurry Up Offense. We're starting on the 20-yard line. And for this week, I will begin. Start the timer in three, two, one, and we are off. This week, uh, my my real rant has to be about just soft fans overall. The, the thing that I really don't like are conference stands. Uh, people who may support one team who's won two games in the last 20 years, uh, but they support the Big Ten or the SEC or the ACC or what have you. Uh, it's just ridiculous overall. I don't like it. Support your team. Conferences are stupid. And Notre Dame fans, be less soft. You're, you're just so soft right now. Stop, stop complaining. Fine. It's very similar to where I was going, but I'll pitch it to Steve. Okay. Um, uh, what do I want to do? Let me pull up the... All right, here we go. And three, two, one. I got to say, we're going to get into it and we're going to talk more about it. But okay, yeah, Keon Keeley decommitted. Would we prefer to have him as a commitment? Yes, absolutely. You take elite talent where you get it. But you look at where this roster was. You look at where this roster is going. The delineating factor is Marcus Freeman. It's the Freeman factor. This sucks, but it will be okay. Everyone, R-E-L-A-X. That's 30 seconds. All right. I'm, I'm also going to complain about Big Ten fans. Um, I love how when this first happened, it looked like Notre Dame might be joining the Big Ten. They were very complimentary to us. And, oh, you know, we won't give up too much, but we do things for you. We hope you're, you're here. You belong here. We like you. And now that it's independence-leaning, it's just an absolute mess it's it's so two-faced it's well you suck we don't want you anyway we're uh, we're not interested anymore as if that's even a shred of reality like <laughs> the big 10 will be interested in notre dame until hell freezes over i'm just sick of it uh, i get it you want us but you're not entitled to us and it's a pretty big move and if we can make it work on our own we're going to and the reason they hate it is because nobody else can do it but notre dame well, am i good for time that was 30 perfect oh 
uh, it's really just stream of consciousness that we're just talking and hope for the best there. Uh, so that, that's what the hurry up offense really has become. Uh, I hope during the season it just gets to be a little bit more and more chaotic uh, as we go. And then we're trying to get all our points in within 30 seconds. But that's our new segment. Uh, hope you like it. If you don't, I don't care. <laughs> uh, well said. Well said. What are, what are we hitting up next? Is it uh, is it recruiting time? I think we should just talk about the elephant in the room. All right. Uh, the white sweatshirts are on sale. <laughs> get it? Because oh, all cheeky. These, all, all these Notre Dame fans are upset that they couldn't get the white sweatshirt that Marcus Freeman was wearing. Uh, but they did sell them eventually. So, you know, good on You're Notre such Dame. You're a troll. What? Me? No. You're a troll. You know, the, uh, let me address something with you two and mostly the 400 fans who listen to us. It, we're here to have fun. None of us graduated from a journalism school. You, you may take us seriously. You may rely for, on us for information. But I started a Jay Bramblett is the best punter in the nation trend out of fun. Like, I'm not here to be a serious journalist. I'm here to do this for fun. We, we aren't here to break news. We have broken news in the past because we're the best. But at the end of the day, have some fun with listening to us. We're three idiots who just get on the microphone and talk. Yeah, but I think you're selling us short a bit too. Like, like we we do our homework. We're pretty yeah. in t- we're pretty in touch with this. Like, I think for fan content, I don't think it gets much better. I think you guys, we, obviously, we got this shtick going on of being the propagandist machine. But when you when you take a closer look, the four horsemen actually deliver some pretty good content. And we have been well informed. We have been right more more often than not. But really, my my whole point is that these fans are taking us, uh, and may, some are actually starting to get annoyed with our shtick, uh, mostly me. And uh, at the end of the day, take that part as the humor. But Dylan, you come up with stats. Steve, you and Steve do the recruiting side of the house. Really just, we're going to have those stats, but we're also going to have fun with it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yes, we are a propaganda tool. I don't know how many times I have to explain this. If we were in the Soviet Union, we would have done a better job of like cutting people out of pictures than what uh, – what's his name? Not Putin, but what, whoever that communist asshole's name was who died. Good, good riddance. Listen, we are here for one reason and for one reason only, to be diehard fans of the University of Notre Dame football team. And we are always and forever going to be that. And are we quite well informed? Do we all do collectively over, you know, I would say between 40 and 80 hours a week uh, of, of work, whether it's spreadsheeting, whether it's listening to recruiting, whether it's listening to podcasts, watching videos, watching tape on recruits, doing all that sort of stuff? Yeah, we are very plugged in. Uh, we read a lot and, and we are extremely well informed. Uh, but we are extremely well-informed fans, and that's just the way that it is. Uh, and and yeah, we are going to say all the time that we're going 12 and 0, and that we're going to 2 and 0 in the playoffs because it's hyperbole, and that's our job, and and that's our lane that we're going to stick in. So yeah, just just have some fun. Listen once a week for 12 weeks a year, and just say, you know what? Those are a bunch of absolute morons that love this football team that I just so happen to love as well. Let's go Irish. Like it's That's as simple as it gets. If we can make you feel like you're at a bar and watching the game with a bunch of locals, a lot of bunch of homers, uh, we've done our job. 
And that's that's really what my my goal has been. Just three guys talking football, talking shop. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to get that. That's more of the elephant in the room than anything. Uh, Keon Keeley D committing definitely is something there. But the elephant in the room is let's just have some fun. We got 12 weeks to this season, 15 weeks overall with a bowl game and a championship game to to handle. So that that's where we're at. I felt good to get off my chest. Uh, but anyway, recruiting. Recruiting, not going to be talking about much of it. Uh, Keon Keeley did decommit. He is potentially headed elsewhere. Uh, potentially headed back to South Bend. We're not really sure what's going to be happening there. Uh, he did it via notes app, which seems to be the trend uh, right now. I don't have too much on this. Uh, I'll let you two handle uh, that. Yeah, he decommitted. It sucks. That's what happens when you're going after the top talent in the country. Um, Alabama is the presumed favorite, but you know I wouldn't count Notre Dame out. Uh, Aaron Lynch was someone who flipped and flipped back at one point, defensive end. Um, Deion Coles, he did just you know, two seasons ago, um, or at least two cycles ago. So it happens. Um, is Notre Dame the likely destination now? No, but uh, it, it, Notre Dame's not out of it, uh, at least not yet. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but, you know, you keep recruiting them, obviously. Uh, he fell in love with the school for a reason. I think at this point, you know, you're taking a step back to to kind of evaluate where you are and, and, and some other places and some other schools that got on you late, like Alabama. Um, but I think that love for Notre Dame is there. And I think if Notre Dame puts together a good season, you can convince them, look, Will Anderson is going to be drafted as high as he is because he's Will Anderson. It does it has nothing to do with Alabama. Uh, that's just a freaky, freaky athlete. Isaiah Foskey, on the other hand, uh, was a four-star that developed at Notre Dame and has turned into an absolute dynamite player on the edge. So, you know, Notre Dame is going to have a little more evidence uh, and some history to show Keon Keeley with with Isaiah Foskey this year. So, you know, they're they're still they're still in it for 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 Keeley, but it's a loss. There's no way around that. It's a huge loss, but the recruiting class is still in a good shape. Um, there's no really way to spin it positively. Um, you know, you just have that to fall back on that. It's still a good class. Um, and I'm still excited for it. Uh, we'll see what we, what we can do. And there's still plenty of time left before signing day. Yeah, it's, would you prefer to have a top 15, you know, player in the entire country on campus? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, you, you look at this team and, and the roster build again, just shout out to Marcus Freeman and, and what he's been able to help put together in a short time and, and the long-term prospects of him being on campus with his recruiting, uh, and, and how, you know, how, how much of an emphasis he puts on it with, uh, you know, with Al Washington on the defensive line and he does a great job as well. It, they're going to be a program that's going to be, you know, one of the top five defensive lines going forward. It feels like, you know, right? Like we have so much talent on the line. I don't think people truly un- understand and appreciate just how incredible both Tyson Ford and Joshua Burnham were as a pull from last cycle, which were uh, two very high four stars. And then we have next year coming in uh, in in twenty four. After Keon Keeley, there's uh, there, there's you know three, four, five guys on the defensive line that are potentially coming in in that recruiting class that are going to be maybe not as good as Keon, but also still extremely, extremely good and extremely. It's it's a lot of depth. It's a lot of talent, and sometimes those guys miss. Sometimes those top talents miss. I mean, I don't think Keeley will. I think he is genuinely a first round pick in the future. He's an incredible athlete. Would I prefer to have him in South Bend? Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah. Alabama loses out on recruiting battles too. Like 
it's just if you're going to ride with the big dogs, this is just a, it's a side effect. It's a symptom of the system that you have to deal with. If you're going to be competing for championships, that means you're going to be competing for championship caliber uh, recruits and you're just not going to win every single one. That's just a fact of the matter. Samuel and Pemba is still on the table. Keon Keeley is not exclusively just out of Notre Dame completely and totally. Who knows what might happen exactly what what uh, what Dylan had said. And hey, you know what? Let, let's see this defensive line put on a hell of a fucking performance against Clemson, against Ohio State. Let's see this team, you know, win a, a whole bunch of games and, and potentially make a big splash at the national national stage in November, December and January. And this young man might change his mind. Um, obviously, nil, obviously money. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going to go into it. And if we end up losing out on him, yeah, stinks. But hey, you know what? If if we do end up losing out on him at, at the same time, the, the the world is going to continue spinning. I, I promise that's going to happen. So you this is just it's the it's a it's a symptom or a, a side effect of competing for a national title. And if you believe that Marcus Freeman is the guy. If you believe that this coaching staff is it, and if you believe that this program, which is at its healthiest point in 30 years, if you think that we are right on the cusp of competing for a national title, Keon Keeley is not going to be the last guy that this happens to. I'm sorry to break that news to you and burst your bubble, Notre Dame fans, but that's just how it's going to be. So, and and another thing that I, uh, you know, we we do say don't tweet at recruits all the time and all that sort of stuff, and this is kind of why. It's like. Uh, just imagine, just imagine completely separate of Notre Dame. Let's say you were a, you grew up in Austin, Texas. You went to the University of Texas. You're a diehard Longhorns fan, right? And let's say, you know, your kid is a freak athlete in high school and he commits to the University of Texas and all of a sudden he comes home one day and he says, you know what, Dad, after a lot of consideration, I honestly think I want to go to TCU. Are you going to yell at your own son and tell him, no, you have to be a Longhorn? No, you're going to say, you know what? I would prefer that you would do this, but at the end of the day, you're my son. I love you and I support you and you should do what's best for you. And it's the same fucking aspect with these young men. We would love for them to be in a golden dome. We would love for them to be on campus and, and, and underneath you know, the leadership of Marcus Freeman and this incredible program that we're building. But at the end of the day, if it's not for you, it's not for you, and that's okay. I mean, again, I prefer Keon Keeley to be on campus in, in South Bend next January uh, as an early enrollee. But he's going to make the decision that's best for his family and just ha- you know, just walk a mile in his shoes and, and his family's shoes and, and just imagine if he was your son. So it, it, is, it, it is what it is. Everyone just, just enjoy it. This is still an unbeatable leaveable recruiting class when you look at the last 15 years of fighting Irish football and that's what it is and we may have to update the word chat to include don't tweet mean things at a recruit's parents uh, uh, because that that was happening too and I get it we had how many podcasts over the the off season up until this point talking about recruiting talking about these kids who we don't know personally none of us have an emotional attachment to them other than the fact that they're going to our favorite university it's it's at the point where fans have so much access to these players, the Instagram, the Snapchat, you know, face anything that you can think of, and 
it shouldn't take this much common sense. And I feel like we're being very measured with what we're saying right now. But it shouldn't take common sense to say, hey, my favorite, my soon to be favorite player isn't coming to Notre Dame. I'm going to send angry hate mail to his family. Like, don't do that. We don't do it to other. We're not emailing C.J. Stroud's uncle that we don't like him. Like we're, we're not doing stuff like. That. It, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't take common sense to be a good fucking person. That's a good point. And look, it's a two-way street. People people forget that. You flip other people's commits too, right? We we're trying to do that right now, yeah, <laughs> right with. Right, we did it with Edwards. We're trying with Minchie. Like it's it, it's a two way street, and and sometimes you guys gotta forget, or you guys can't forget. Keon Keeley's from Florida. He's a Southern guy. Uh, football is a way of life there, and Alabama has been the best at it. There's there's no nothing wrong with that. Um, does it suck that we lose him? Yes. Is that a reason to tweet mean things at someone? No, of course not. But to Steve's earlier point, you got to expect this. Uh, look, Ohio State had a string of like three D commitments in a week. Uh, none of them were as good as Keeley, but that's because Ohio State's recruiting class has nobody as good as Keon in it. Uh, but this, the point remains, people, you lose guys. It happens. Alabama's got two top 10 quarterbacks in their class. I can't imagine both of them staying, and if they do, one's gone within a year. So this happens. But I, we get so wrapped up in recruiting, we forget about the bigger picture, and that's you got to play football games on the field. This isn't played on paper. It's not played on rankings. It's not played based on high school kids. Um, it's your team. It's the coaching staff. It's the roster you have. It's the schedule you play. And I think that's what we're going to get into today is this big schedule we got coming up. And unless anyone has something to say on recruiting, I say let's talk very briefly about Ohio State because I think we'll do another podcast on this next week. Um, but we should just preview, obviously, that game very briefly. So Very, um, very quick, Dylan, before we get into the schedule that, that we're going 12-0 on, I just wanted to shout out friend of the program, Harrison Leonard. Uh, Rhode Island's finest. He was a kicker on Notre Dame from Jamestown, the proud of Jamestown. Uh, he is now kicking for my local Rhode Island Rams. Uh, so I'll be sure to get out to the game. Harrison, uh, best of luck this season. We're supporting you behind here, the Four Horsemen podcast. That sounds good. All right, let's start with Ohio State. Returning talent uh, is a big one, returning production. And Ohio State is among one of the most returning talent teams in the country. They're 24th, um, according to ESPN, uh, Bill Connolly, uh, in returning talent. The SP Plus has them ranked number three in the country. Um, and then you look at their their 2021 performance. Right? They went. They had. They were a two-loss team. They lost to Oregon. They lost to Michigan at the beginning, near the beginning of the season, and near the end of the season. But Ohio State throughout 2021 was the best offense in the country. No ifs, ands, or buts. They finished number one in total offense and scoring offense by a, by a lot, um, and they were playing a Big Ten schedule. Defensively, however, Ohio State was, uh, shall we say, not very good last year. Ohio State was 59th in total defense, um, and then in scoring defense, they were 38th. Now, Ohio State is used to much better performances than that. Secondary has been an issue, Um and it's it's going to be a key part of the game. Ohio State is great. They're at home. They're returning a lot of talent. It's a it's a big one. There's a reason we're underdogs. Um, but I think there's a lot of reason for hope as well. And I think we'll get into that a little more next podcast. Is there anything you guys wanted to say on Ohio State before we kind of save that one for next week? Yeah, I, I just want this point abundant, abundantly clear, and I'll make it next week as well. 
this is going to be the toughest first game that a Jim Knowles-led defense has had. Jim Knowles has started off the season in his time as a defensive coordinator against Missouri State twice, Tulsa, Oregon State, NC Central three times, Tulane, Elon twice, FIU, Richmond, Indiana State, and Illinois State. Jim Knowles may be a good coach. This is the toughest task he has. Plus, he has a game plan for a quarterback who has very limited tape. So, there you go. Um, Since 2010, there have been, that's 12, uh, 11 years worth of college football. There have been six Heisman Trophy winners, of which they were quarterbacks. And of those six, uh, I believe three of them, or uh, yeah, three of them or four of them have been quarterbacks that were a their second year on campus, whether that means they were a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore, and it was their first year as a starting quarterback. Are you doing the math? Okay. I'm just going to let that pause sink in. Tyler Buckner is going to blank them in the blank. Next question. Beat them in the horseshoe. Got it. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's going to be a big test, but I, I don't want to get too much into it because we, we need some content for next week. So Exactly. Um, so I, I have a lot more I want to say, but I, I want to let it I want to let us simmer. So we're on to Marshall. To to be determined, right? Ohio State's a top five team this year, and I think Notre Dame might be as well. But that's there's no way around it. They're a great team. As much as we hate their fans, they're a great team. But let's get to Marshall. Um Marshall's an interesting case. Uh, last year, they were pretty good offensively um, in total offense. I mean, they're in a weaker conference. Um, their talent production and production return, sorry, um, is quite low. They're in the hundreds there. This shouldn't be a problem uh, for Notre Dame, especially <laughs> under not Brian Kelly. This would be a game maybe in the past we would go into it 17-10 at half or something. Um, but this should be a blowout. And, uh, I mean, you got this game at home here at Notre Dame Stadium. Um, it's a big one just to get the season going. It's the first Marcus Freeman home game. Um, that that should be a good atmosphere there. Even though it is Marshall, that's the first time we're ever playing them. So do you guys do you guys have any thoughts on, on Marshall here? Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're not usually on TV, so it's not like we have a ton of uh, <laughs> visual experience. Hamilton, Dylan. Uh, it has to replace – Marshall does have to replace its quarterback, Grant Wells, transferred to Virginia Tech. Uh, they do return their top rusher, Rashawn Ali, uh, who recorded 1,400 yards and 23 rushing touchdowns last season. Yes, they can run. Yes, we got Kane Madden from them, uh, lest we forget. But overall, having a new quarterback come into Notre Dame, a second game in the season, uh, it's going to be interesting. Henry Columbia is the presumed starter. Uh, and other than Rashawn Ali and Corey Gamage, I'm not impressed by their defense. I think we're going to see all three quarterbacks play. I think Steve Angeli is going to score his first rushing touchdown uh, of the year against Marshall. And uh, I'm just excited for for the game overall. And a rare compliment to Brian Kelly. He has built this program up to the point where over the past five years or so, they have beaten the teams that they should have beaten. We've got too much talent to let a Nevada or a Tulsa or some bullshit, you know, just game to, to drop us. We're, we're not that program anymore, so we're just going to come home. 
whether we're riding off of a big win or a you know less than thrilling loss. However, it turns out in week one, that's okay. That doesn't mean it's the end of our season. But week two, we're going to come back and beat the fucking brakes off them. And that's just how it is. Can someone briefly explain to me why we're playing at 2.30 now and not 3.30? Did Indiana do something with daylight savings time? Um, to my knowledge, they're still in the east, eastern time zone. Yes, but I think they may have skipped on daylight savings times because we never used to play at 2.30, and I really hate that. I really, I don't really know. don't like I'm, that. I'm actually currently looking at Indiana as we speak. So a little behind the scenes for the podcast listener. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky for a work conference, and I'm, I'm right downtown, and the Ohio River is right there, and right on the other side of the Ohio River is, in fact, Indiana. I've still never stepped foot in Indiana. One of these days I will, obviously, for an Irish game. Um, Louisville, Kentucky. It's interesting. Let's, uh, let's leave it at interesting and, and move on here, but... I, I'm not certain that they've done anything with the time frame just to kind of tie that circle up for you, Dylan. They are in Eastern Daylight Time, so yes, yeah. that's, that's all I got. Yeah, so something happened there. So maybe one of our listeners from the state explain time know. zones to us. We don't understand time zones. Well, it's not that we don't understand time zones; it's that something has changed in Indiana because the kickoffs are now an hour earlier. I don't um, understand time zones. <laughs> all right, up next we got the Cowl Golden Bears. Uh, it's a green jersey game. It's one I'm really looking forward to because, you know, you always get a few cupcakes on your schedule, of course. And this is one that's still a power five team. Uh, it's still the Pac-12 the Pac or Pac-8 or whatever the hell they're at these days. Um, soon to be dead conference. Um, the Cal Golden Bears, I really like that game. I don't know if we've ever played them before. Um, I feel we like have. this might be the... We have. 4 no. 4-0. So it'll be 5-0. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. Um, it should be a good game there, too. Uh, a good test because, you know, it's, it'll be a step up from Marshall um, and it's a good lead into the next game. So do you guys have thoughts on on Cal or is this one that concerns you at all? Or do you think this should be a, an easy victory for Notre Dame? The only thing I have to say, it's another replacement quarterback. Chase Darber threw for 50 career touchdowns. Uh, Cal's bread spot was his defense last year, uh, but they have to replace the quarterback again. This is two quarterbacks in three weeks that were facing new new cats on the field. So while they've had two games before the Irish, uh, that's why I got the only return eight of 22 starters. Uh, so that is problematic. Steve? Yeah, so uh, in this case, obviously the expectation by everyone is that Notre Dame is going to win. This, uh, be between, th this is going to be the ongoing theme for basically all of the games that are not the major ones. So the major ones, let's call them out. It's going to be... Clemson, BYU, Ohio State, USC. Th those are the obvious ones. And there's going to be some tough teams mixed in. But with the exception of those four, I'm going to be speaking specifically about Cal and then kind of at a broader level. It's no longer acceptable for this Notre Dame team to win football games but just just getting by, just doing their job and getting those wins. And even sometimes in the Brian, Kellen er Brian Kelly era, you know, even last year against a team like Toledo, what the hell was that, right? It, we, we can't just get to we're beating the teams that we should be anymore. It should be we are blowing the doors off of teams. That should be the new standard. So it's not just a matter of winning and covering the spread, which Dylan, as we know, great teams do. It's a matter of beating the spread by like 10, 14, 21 points. 
So that's what we need to do against Cal in order, regardless of what happens in week one, we need to show everybody we are a top five program through and through. We don't give a shit anymore. We are not doing this whole 31-24 bullshit with teams that we should be beating 48-14. to And that's the new standard that we need to set going forward, and that's what I would expect against Cal. Yeah, the returning production is an issue, so it's, that's to, to peace point, and I think that could be a big one for Cal. Uh, it's a nice to see them, but I'm with you, Steve. That needs to be a blowout. All right, moving on. We've got the big game uh, of September, the second big game of September. September's a pretty rough month for Notre Dame. Uh, we'll be playing the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, obviously, they took a little bit of a step back last season. Um, but this is at Chapel Hill, so this will be a road game. It's a tricky one. Um, they are they did lose a lot of production, but uh, you expect Mac, Mac Brown's team to be a little bit better this year. I think they kind of underperformed last year. I think that's a tricky game. It's not one I'll call necessarily a trap game, because I think we should do that maybe at the end, the one trap game uh, of the year. Um, but that's going to be tough. It's a tough environment. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame is far more talented. Uh, SP Plus projections have North Carolina in the low 30s, uh, whereas Notre Dame uh, in in Bill Connolly's um, SP Plus for preseason, which which is based off of returning production, uh, recent recruiting, and recent history, has Notre Dame seventh. So look, there's a talent gap there, no doubt about it. It's a tough it's a tough trip. It's a tough environment to make. I think North Carolina is a really great program. But I think that's one Notre Dame needs to win probably by double digits because it's there is a big talent gap. And we shouldn't, like to Steve's point, we should not be having these games anymore uh, where they're 34-28 against a really bad team. So what do you guys think of that? Are you, are you more concerned of North Carolina than I am, or are you actually less concerned? Well, I'm concerned I'm not going to be able to watch a game in real time. So I'm doing radio silence for the second year in a row on September 24th. Uh, so- so uh, with that, uh, I'll be watching the day after. So that's my biggest concern. Uh, they just announced their starting quarterback in Drake May. Uh, 6'5", 225, just dude, probably a Jack Cohn lookalike. Uh, this will be his fourth start of the season. Uh, he's played six games up to this point. Uh, they have their top three receivers coming back. Uh, that's concerning. Drake May is from a talented family of athletes. Uh, but if this game's at night, I'm more concerned than if it's an afternoon kickoff, if that makes sense, because I'm a head case. Yeah, um, well, a preliminary congrats on the sex for your uh, for your anniversary weekend there, pal. Oh, that's where we go um, to a wedding, so... Uh, all right, well, egg on my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I think Dylan, you you did wrap that up kind of succinctly. It's um, this is going to be okay. One of those those tougher teams where you know we we should still be covering the spread. We should still be beating this team. Um, Mac Brown is a good coach and he's building this UNC team and in, into something pretty good. But they did lose some pretty premier talent, especially at the quarterback position, obviously. So. Um, this might be a game that you look back, you might look next year if, if UNC or two years from now, if UNC is back on the calendar and say, oh shit, uh, I think this is finally the year they break through. But I've been hearing for three years now that UNC is going to give us a game. They've been 
pretty good, but I've I've really just not felt scared of them at any point, and I just feel like our defense still is just way so far superior, and and now we're going to have Tyler Buckner to really just run all over the yard against them. So could they give us a first-half scare? Theoretically, yeah, but uh, again, winning covers the name of the game here. I'm I'm not particularly afraid of UNC. Not yet. but but they are definitely building something. So that brings us to our first bye week, and I think only bye week of this season. Uh, a little earlier than usual, but that wraps up September. I think this is a, a good idea to divide the season into into thirds, right? Four games at a time, uh, and kind of use that as a benchmark for evaluating progress. So we would have hit the first third here. What do you think Notre Dame's record has to be? After after that September, which is pretty tough, you know, you got you got two tough road games in Ohio State, North Carolina, and then you have two more uh, easy home games in in Marshall and then a power five team in Cal. What do you what do you guys think in there? No hyperbole. Minimum three and one. I'll let you. Yeah, if if they are not a minimum of three and one blow up the stadium. Yeah. Is there any scenario where a two and two would be acceptable? Like. Something really happens at North Carolina. Yeah, the, nope. the thing that happens is that we're down to our backup walk-on quarterback. If, right. if the entire quarterback room gets lost in the Andes Mountains or something, like <laughs> there's no reason Notre Dame should be tuned to at the end of September. Right. So as long as there's no major injuries, three and one is kind of the the target. If not four and zero, oh, of course we're we're hoping to win all four of those games, but yeah, I agree with you. I think three and one is look, if you lose to Ohio state, it's an acceptable loss. Assuming the loss isn't too embarrassing. Um, not that I think we're going to lose or I hope anything like that. It's just, that's an acceptable loss. You're playing a top five team on the road. Um, and first year of a new head coaching staff. So yeah, I think three and one, I think I agree with you guys. Um, that doesn't mean, Four knows out of the out of the realm of possibility there, but you should be winning Marshall, Cal, and North Carolina, even even on a tough road game. So that brings us to our Shamrock Series neutral site game at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. Notre Dame will be playing the BYU Cougars. So folks, if you want drinks, I recommend checking out the BYU side. Um, shorter <laughs> short, shorter lines. Uh, the bathroom lines will probably be shorter too because nobody will be drinking beer. So great idea there. Um, Notre Dame and BYU have a little bit of history. I think they've played eight times, and I think Notre Dame's six and two against them all time. Well, it's uh, um, six times four and two. Uh, yeah, but two of those games were vacated by the NCAA in oh, 2012. You're, you're correct. Yes. So BYU is an interesting one. They're returning the second most production of any college football team in this season at 88%. This was in February, uh, so before transfers and stuff. Um, they had a great offense last year, a pretty mediocre defense. Um, but yet it's still BYU. Is this is this an upset alert game? Is this one that you're worried about? Upset alert, no. 18 starters, 8 on offense, 10 on defense coming back. It can't be an upset if it's going to be an evenly matched opponent. Uh, I think BYU is a good team. Uh, I'm not discrediting them. Uh, they do have Jaron Hall, who is a very concerning quarterback, uh, just because of he, he's kind of a Tyler Buckner type. Uh, so... I'm not too concerned. It's not an upset game. I think Notre Dame is going to be properly ready for the game, especially with that one week off to get ready. Plus, everyone's traveling to Vegas. Uh, Allegiant Stadium, it's going to be different to play in a domed stadium. BYU doesn't have a dome. Notre Dame doesn't have a dome. So it's going to be be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, 
Are you? Do you have a team that's ready to step up on the big stage? And, uh, and Notre Dame is a team that plays on the big stage all the time. So you wonder if uh, if any sort of jitters kind of make their way through on on the uh, on the Cougar side. So now we have Stanford coming up uh, outside of the BYU game. Uh, it's back to Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, Stanford has missed on bowl games uh, three years in a row. Uh, they do return Tanner McKee. Uh, 2,300 yard passer, 15 touchdowns last year. Uh, not a very good run game. Uh, they have Elijah Higgins and Benjamin Urasek, uh, wide receiver and tight end, respectively. Uh, Stanford, how about them Cardinals? Yeah, they're returning as much production as BYU is. Um, but just quickly looking at you know the SP Plus projections, um, Stanford is 74th. It's it's been that kind of run for Stanford, unfortunately. I mean what is it, not even 10 years ago, they were probably our best rival in terms of giving us a game um, and a ranked game. So it, it kind of sucks to see Stanford fall this low, but look, you got to take your wins where you can get them. And contrary to what one Twitter account thinks, uh, Notre Dame will not be dropping a game to Stanford at Notre Dame Stadium. So I'll leave, I'll leave it there. Yeah, I mean, if this was five years ago, then I would have showed any sort of concern. But, it, you know, they're, they're going through the throes of it. Sucks. Uh, I, I hope they get back to some competitiveness pretty soon because they are a fun program to play when they're good. Um, even though they are a, a rival, I don't have really any animosity for them. So, uh, hey, hopefully they make a, pull, a bowl game this year. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if they went seven to five, eight and four. But um, Irish are just simply too talented at, at this point in time. And let's just hope our boys stay focused and close that game out. Yeah, so next we've got the uh, UNLV Rebels at home. Um, I don't even really want to spend time on this one. <laughs> well, um, um, that I mean, you have to win by at least, I think, 40 points there, right? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're not good. Uh, they do return Cameron Friel, uh, Mountain West Freshman of the Year. Uh, they brought in a sophomore quarterback transfer from Tennessee uh, who was – Backing up Hendon Hooker, uh, Harrison Bailey. Uh, so, yeah, UNLV. Their special teams, P. I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking everything now. I'm talking quarterback transfers. I'm transfer portal uh, P wagon over here. Uh, All right, they yeah, don't have and we need to win big. Uh, UNLV. Hey, cool school right off the Vegas Strip. Good for them, but not a great football team. Next team. Next. Next game. We'll be going to the state of New York to play the Syracuse Orange in what will be a home game for the Fighting Irish. Um, not literally, but you guys know what I mean there. Um, anyone concerned about Syracuse? Is that even a is that a, is that an oxymoron of a statement? P, just really quickly, it's worth noting. It's only a five and a half hour drive from both of us, buddy. Uh, Steve, I'm already going to the game with my entire family. All right, I'll go screw myself. Well, if you would like to come, we can buy another ticket, probably. All right, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, what's your analysis on the game, on the team? What's what's going on, bud? What are you, what are you seeing? Notre Dame has never lost a game that I've been in attendance for. Uh, that's going to continue this year. Uh, they do have Sean Tucker, 1,400-yard running back coming back. Uh, this does come right before Clemson, so trap game maybe. But at the end of the day, it's the Carrier Dome, now known as the JMA Wireless Dome. Uh, it's Notre Dame North. Can I be honest with you guys? I kind of forgot Syracuse had a football team. 
You don't remember that Dino Babers kicked a field goal when he was oh, down 31 Oh, nothing? I do. I just think Syracuse has been so irrelevant since that I, I actually kind of was thinking maybe they just stopped playing football. Yeah, people forget that me and P-Wagon were both at that game at Yankee yeah. Stadium. Yeah, I mean, again, Syracuse, just a team that sometimes puts together a decent program, but this just ain't one of those years, and this ain't just, you know, they, they don't have it. So, again, not only should you beat them, you should blow them out rub their face in it, be an elite program, have the eye of a killer. It's just that's the DNA makeup of a championship program. Blow them out. So this would be the second uh, four-game stretch of the schedule, making making it two-thirds of the way through. Um, I'll just say what I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but it, this has to be a 4-0. Like, I, I don't think yep. it's acceptable to lose to BYU, Stanford, UNLV, or Syracuse. Correct. Wow. That's correct. So do we think there's a shot to lose there, and who's most likely to give it? I am most likely to be launching myself off of the top of a building if I, we lose any of those games. That's on brand. That's on brand. Trap game, Cuse. Most game I'm most worried about with the travel, BYU. Yeah, I, I mean, BYU's the best team there. It's It'll could be a ranked matchup. I'm just going to very quickly look at what BYU's schedule is like to see what they might be coming into that game. Um, so BYU's schedule is at USF. Um, they okay. should win that one. They are at home to the Baylor Bears. That's brutal. That's a tough then they're, game. <laughs> then they're out. <laughs> shit. Then they're at Oregon. So they're one and two right now. Uh, I could see them taking one of those games, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, then they host Wyoming and then host Utah State, so they should be at least three and two. Don't sleep if on that. If not, if if they're four and one, and let's say they get one of those wins, um, either against Baylor or Oregon, and I think both of those are possible. I think those teams are flawed teams. Um, that would be that would be a ranked matchup. As long as they go four and one, that'd be a ranked matchup. If they go five and zero, oh, they could be a top ten team. So, I mean, I don't expect that, but that could have a lot of hype behind it, and that could make that game a little dangerous. Um, but for me, you got to go four and zero heading into the big one. Same week as the last time we played, it was November seventh. This time it's November fifth because you know days change every year, and it'll be the Clemson Tigers who are ranked number four in the preseason polls coming to South Bend once again, guys. Um, am I crazy for not being super worried about this one? No, because DJ hasn't shown anything outside of that double overtime game. Uh, it's either going to be him or you're going to have a freshman quarterback playing that game. Uh, Will Shipley is, (laughs) Will Shipley seems to be made of glass, which is unfortunate. Um, and really Notre Dame proven that they can beat them. Like, yeah, we lost to the ACC championship game to them. And in a hurricane and, you know, there's been four losses that we shouldn't have lost to them on. But when it matters, Notre Dame wins. And this is going to be under the lights in South Bend in November. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're a tough team to beat at home. And we're a tough team to beat specifically at night games at home, right? The Cincinnati game last year was in the afternoon. Uh, I actually, the last time Notre Dame lost a home night game, geez, like 2011? Like, do you guys have any idea when that when that would have been? Maybe that USC game in 20, 2011, 2010? I don't recall, honestly. 
it's been a while is the kind of point I'm making. And there could be some, something obvious I'm forgetting. I, I, we don't count the 2016 season. That is absolutely not relevant. Didn't that season's a write-off. A That's a write-off. That year. In all of the other seasons, I don't think we've lost a home night game in a while, including 2020 to Clemson. And, yeah, you can say Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. They had a few injuries on the D. But, like, that's still Clemson. That's still an elite team. And DJ Yungalele played better than Trevor Lawrence in the conference championship game. So that's a huge win for Notre Dame. And you know what? I think we've done it once. I think we can do it again. It all It's all going to come down to quarterback play for me. If, if DJ is the five-star quarterback we saw as a freshman, then I'd be a little more nervous. But he hasn't been like that. And Clemson hasn't been really Clemson as we know it, as, as they've been the last few years. And the recruiting, while still good, is slowing down. I just think Clemson is a program maybe on the decline a bit, and I don't mean they're going to be an eight-win team this year. I just mean I don't know if Clemson's going to be the Alabama juggernaut that they were. So I think this is a game Notre Dame should be favored in. I actually think Notre Dame should be spotted at least three points here for the neutral site because uh, you give three points to the home team. So I would say at least three. Um, if not more for Notre Dame. And the fact that I think Notre Dame might be a dog, I think suggests some pretty good value there. Um, so, you know, yeah, you trust Dabo more than a, a first-year head coach, but Clemson is, uh, they're just, they're, Trevor Lawrence was just special. He was just special. And I don't know, that's where, I, I don't want to ramble too much on this, but what do you guys think of Clemson? Uh, last yeah, I, Notre Dame lost a night game was at, against Georgia 2017. Right. That was a close game. One we should have won, to be fair. Yep. And that's actually the point that I was going to make is, hey, you know what? At home during the regular season, even during any regular season game, whether it's on the road or at home, Notre Dame plays tough fucking games, man. We're we're a gritty team and we, we play well. So, you know, DJU, I think, is actually going to be a little bit more surprising than most people think. I think there's just kind of too much talent there for him to just be as bad as he has been. I think there's been a little bit more systemic stuff at at play that's kind of held him back because uh, he is pretty talented. So I think he jumps up a little bit. I still don't think he's going to be, you know, 2020 DJU at Notre Dame. Uh, and I, I still expect Notre Dame to win. Let's not overlook Clemson. There's still going to be a, a one hell of a football team with an absolutely fantastic and phenomenal defense, especially their front seven. And Brian Brissy is, uh, you know, plugging up the middle. He's an incredible defensive lineman, probably a top 15 guy, but Hey, um, it is what it is. You know, it's it's a game that it's going to be a big game. It's a it's a game that we should win, but yeah. Well, the de- but, the defense is still elite. That's that's something people might forget. Is last year's Clemson defense was still amazing. They were top two in scoring defense. I think they were top ten in, in total defense. It was the offense that was abysmal, and they're returning a middle amount of of talent. Uh, the SP Plus projection has them just barely ahead of Notre Dame. So it's a good team. We don't want to. We don't want to downplay that. It's just the reason I'm not super worried is maybe it's because I have faith in Tyler Buckner that come November he'll be a pretty confident sophomore quarterback, and just the dual threat nature of his ability I think is going to be very tough for defenses to stop. And Notre Dame's defense is going to be so good this year that you're going to have to score to 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 beat Notre Dame. You're not going to beat Notre Dame 17 to three. You're going to have to score on us. And I think Ohio State has that capability. I think USC has that capability, but I, for reasons we'll discuss later, I'm not concerned about it. And I think uh, there's another team in November that might have that capability, but it's not Clemson. I think I think Clemson has to show me they can get back to what that offense can be before I freak out about the Clemson game. But, look, it'll be a close game. I would probably put my money on Notre Dame. 
but it's a tough one. It's a tough schedule too. So injuries will matter a big deal here as well. Agreed. P wagon, you got anything else to say? Or are we, we good to move on? No, I think we're on to Navy on to Navy. Uh, is there anything to even say about Navy? It's, it's Navy. Um, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a lot of chop blocks that won't get called. You're going to get a lot of injuries for a game that's doing nothing for your schedule, but it's it's an important one. It's a traditional rival. Uh, you guys concerned about this? Uh, I feel like we haven't really had a competitive game with Navy ever since, you know, 2017. The so. dark days, yeah. Yeah. You guys I worried? Like, I like Ty Lavatai a lot, the quarterback for Navy. Uh, also, I respect the troops, but Navy uh, does have a hell of a November with Cincinnati, UCF, and Army. And then Notre Dame is right in there as well. So it's Cincy, ND, UCF, Army to finish their season. So that, that's a rough November for them. Yeah. yeah. It, I was just, uh, just real quick point. Another year, another time we're doing them a big favor as a recompense for their assisting us back in the the big war. So thank you, Navy, but also... You know, come catch these hands in a 40-point beating. I think that's well said. Um, I, if, if the games were reversed, if it was, if this game that I'm about to announce was right after Clemson, it would be an automatic loss for Notre Dame, hands down. But it isn't. We get a break. We get Navy in between. But then we get the mighty Boston College Eagles at Notre Dame Stadium, November 19th. Uh, that's going to be a afternoon game. I'm nervous. Just because, as any Notre Dame fan will know, playing Boston College in November with, you know, hopes on the line is usually a disaster. So, yeah, Boston College is, is going to be a good team this year, I think. They, they're they not returning a ton of production, but they're returning what I think is the most important player they've had in a while, which is Phil Jerkovic, the former Notre Dame quarterback who transferred. Um, Phil's a great quarterback. He's going to be an NFL draft pick, probably a first-round draft pick. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's mobile. That could be a tough game. Um, like I said, if it was after Clemson, I'd be really worried. The fact that we kind of get Navy in between, not that Navy's an easy game because they'll, they'll beat you up, you know, physically and they'll hurt you. But I think the curse there is a little bit lifted if it's not immediately after, obviously I'm talking about 1993 here. Um, I think we should be, should be fine, but I, this is my vote for the trap game and we'll get to that later, but uh, something about Boston college with, with that quarterback with uh, obviously our former coach, John McNulty's there. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? Am I, am I just panicking over nonsense? Jerkovic flowers, Garwo. It's concerning. It, it's definitely senior day for ND. Jacobic threw for seven touchdowns and 914 yards with a broken hand. He's tough. He's Pittsburgh tough. And he would probably be starting for the Irish right now if he stayed. So it's a very... I kind of hope um, this would be the night game. And I think Stanford should be the afternoon game. Because I kind of need all the help I can get to win this one. And if playing that at 7.30 is what it takes... That's how concerned I am with Boston College, and I know that might be irrational. Steve, talk talk me off of this. What's 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 your thinking? I mean, I'm gonna come in at a rational middle here. Um, uh, again, it's it's a team that we are 
on on paper far superior to. Um, but I mean, there's no. We have plenty of podcasts that everyone can go and listen back to, and I've expressed a lot of love for Phil Jerkovic over the the course of time uh, when he was when he was with us. Um, that love is still there. He's he's an incredibly talented kid. He's going to be an NFL draft pick, and and that that makes this game all of a sudden no longer a walk in the park. So, uh, with a lot of the other lesser programs uh, throughout you know this podcast, I've been saying. You screw them, you know, blow the doors off them. Like, let's be that elite team and let's be the bully and, and everything. But at this point, uh, when it comes to Boston College specifically for this game and, and Phil Jerkovich, it's more so survive in advance. Just like as long as you have one more point than the other team at the end of the game, job successful, you know, just just get to USC at that point. So that's that's where I kind of fall. I still expect maybe a 10, 13 point win, something like that. But I, I honestly would not be surprised if this were a one score game or maybe a 10 point game or something of the sort. Are we ready to move on to the big one? Are we ready to finally say goodbye to Boston college? Hopefully. I hope so. Well, the best rivalry in college football ends the season. It'll be Notre Dame going to the LA Coliseum to play the USC Trojans under first year head coach Lincoln Riley They've obviously got transfers quarterback Caleb Williams from Oklahoma, who is one of the most impressive quarterbacks, especially as a freshman last year in the country. Um, they picked up some great transfers in the wide receiver wide receiver room. They picked up the kid from Pitt. USC is a great seven-on-seven team. They got great wide receivers, great running backs, great quarterbacks. Their offensive line and defensive line will be even if they even if they do take a step forward, they're they're going to be a step behind Notre Dame. That's just the way it is. Notre Dame is going to dominate the trenches, but USC's got more skill than ever. This is a game that some are kind of... Uh, USC's getting a lot of hype because of the transfers and because of the coach. And this is one that people might actually think is tough for Notre Dame. What do you guys think? Because we have seen we know USC better than any program because we see them so much. What, what What's your feeling? <laughs> All right, now what's your uh, now that we got the childish feeling over yeah, the way? Yeah, succinct what's your and adult feeling. <laughs> I thought it was succinct. Uh, whatever. Like, good. You have Caleb Williams. Good. You have Jordan Addison. Yeah, that that's going to get you a couple of points. They'll combine for what, fourteen, maybe twenty-one points, if the line can block. Newsflash, USC fans, your line can't block. Notre Dame's defense is going to feast. And we have one of the best safeties in the country, Brandon Joseph. Ever heard of him? That, that's all. Like, I'm not concerned about USC whatsoever. The the SP Plus projections for the early part of the season has USC as the 46th best team in the country. They're not buying the USC hype. Um, obviously, numbers. that's tough. I agree with those numbers. Yeah. The, the numbers suggest that its offense is a lot better than its defense, but I think we all knew that. Um, look, USC is a program we need to be better. We need them to be a better program. We need to beat a ranked USC every year. This, the rivalry needs it, for one, because it's been a one-sided rivalry. Um, but two, just the schedule needs it. Notre Dame, Notre Dame needs to start beating a good USC again. Um, and that's and that's something we've been lacking for, for quite a while. And that's not our fault, but that is what it is. This is going to be an interesting game. It, uh, it, it's hard to project this because you're 12 games into the season. Who knows what your injuries look like? Who knows what their injuries look like? But at this point, 
assuming both teams are relatively healthy, you got to take Notre Dame. I think you have to, even though it is a road game and the Coliseum isn't a tough environment, but it'll get up for Notre Dame, just like, you know, the Miami Hard Rock Stadium would. Um, there'll be a lot of Notre Dame fans for sure. But despite that, despite the environment, despite the road game, you you should be much better than USC this year. You just should be. Even with Caleb Williams, even with the, the, the receiver transfers they've added, you should be better than USC. What I'm concerned about, of course, is if you can't get to the quarterback. If if Caleb Williams can start picking apart Notre Dame's defense, then that get, becomes a problem. And as always, how's the Notre Dame offense look? There's just there's a lot of variables. What I want to ask you guys is, is this an acceptable loss to you if we lose this game? It depends how many losses we already have on the season. Well, let's let's just say uh, one or two. Let's say you've been relatively healthy. Uh, there's no like in, it's not like we're playing with Steve Angeli at this point as a true freshman. Like we still got our quarterbacks there. Can is can you see this as a loss? No. And yes. Interesting. There, there, there's a world where. You know, their offensive line just so happens to stand up that one day. There's a world where their defense just so happens to scheme up a couple of really good plays, whether it's a sack, whether it's a fumble, an interception, and they just get some momentum, and they're obviously very talented offensively. And, you know, that game could potentially get away from us if if things just kind of fall in, in like, the worst possible scenario. So, obviously, if on, on any sort of pragmatic level, you look at them and say, hey, you know what, still a team with some elite talent. They're just, uh, you know, they, they've obviously got some, some massive holes that we should be able to exploit. And that's the expectation. I would expect us to beat them by, you know, 10 to 14, just given that we can control the game, we can keep it slower, we can run the ball, we can dominate the trenches. So so there's kind of that inherent confidence that I have, uh, just, you know, given those factors and, and how they've kind of been our bitch. But even in years where we have outplayed them, you know, they, they've still put up some points on offense and they've still thrown that ball downfield against us. You know, Keaton Slovis has had some decent time and, and a lot of that was, you know, garbage time and, and, you know, second half coming out and throwing for 250 yards and two touchdowns. So, so it's not lost upon me that a lot of it was catch up. Um, I think that this is going to feel eerily similar to that year that Tony Jones caught that screen pass, went all the way down the sideline, and, and you can hear that call right in your mind right now where the fighting Irish are going, you know, they're going to the playoff, you know, when we kind of locked it up. But up to that point, you know, it was, it was a Notre Dame was in control, but USC wasn't letting the game completely get away from them. And that's what I could see, is I could see Notre Dame being in the driver's seat throughout this game, but I could see USC not easing up the brakes and continuing to just take those deep shots and getting some, you know, just getting some garbage time yards and touchdowns. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard to see how it would play out, but that's kind of in my mind, what I'm seeing in my vision. Good thing we have, you know, two and a half months till this comes, but point counterpoint, Caleb Williams threw for 400 yards one time against Texas Tech. His other numbers, Oregon 242, Oklahoma state 252, uh, Kansas 178, TCU 295, Texas 212. Like, he's throwing, he went 136 for 211, 1,900 yards, 21. Well, he didn't, he didn't start all of the games last year. Right, and, but, but also, like, Oklahoma's blowing teams out, too. Yeah, but the other thing, that the, the 
overarching point I'm trying to make is these defenses that he's throwing 200 plus yards on. It's not suck. good defenses. They're, yeah. they're not good. So like, well, yeah, he's I not could... going to have an issue in the Pac-12, but against Notre Dame, yeah, yeah I'm that, with you. That's that's where that was going eventually. I was trying to get to that point eventually, but overall, I'm not concerned. We'll see what happens. This may my tone may change the when we do the USC week. So uh, of course, and and look, we're just doing a, a kind of a brief rundown as we can within this time frame, right? Like we'll we'll get more into this every week, but I want to ask you guys: Do you want to quickly go through USC? I can read their schedule for you. Um, and we can we can kind of talk about it because I like to talk about USC. It's a rival. You know, we have some listeners. Um, they start off at a, a home against Rice. You guys tell me if I'll, I'll name the game. You tell me win loss. OK, so home to Rice. Win. All right. I'm going to guess Steve says win, too. Oh, sorry. I was a little bit distracted. Uh, I don't know, because uh, my guy, Litchfield Ajavon, did transfer to Rice as a safety. So he, he might just t- completely dominate that game and, and fuck over USC, which would be hilarious. But obviously, USC is going to win that game. Okay. At Stanford. Win. Win. Home to Fresno State. Win. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, potential loss, Jake Hanner, uh, Heisman uh, contender. Okay. At Oregon State. Win. Arizona. At home to Arizona State. Win. Home to Washington State. Win. None of these teams have been ranked. USC should be six and zero heading into their big matchup. Now I don't think they will be because USC always finds a way to lose to a Pac-12 team. I was going to say they, Arizona State, like they they might. It's come a in home game. I could see them losing at Stanford. That's one they always struggle with uh, at Stanford. I know that. I know we just got fit, <laughs> just got finished making fun of Stanford. I I don't know. USC could drop a game there, but they should win all of those. That shouldn't be a problem for them. They should be six and zero going into October. Um, uh, mid October. Then they're at Utah. What do you loss. guys think of that? Yeah, that has to be a loss. Utah's, Utah's a nasty the team. Yep. Yeah. Loss. Then, then they have a bye. Then they're at Arizona. Win. Should be home to Cal. Win. Win. Home to Colorado. Loss. Win. Yeah, I'll take a win, but I see why you say loss. At UCLA. Loss. Loss. Lost too. I think UCLA is going to be a really good team. Uh, then they play Notre Dame. So I think USC Lost. should be nine and two going into that game at a minimum. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're seven and four because it's USC. Uh, they always tend to do that to us. But USC has a soft schedule. There's two good, two good teams they have to play. Just two: Utah and Notre Dame. Now they're two really good teams, but the rest of that schedule is should they should be better than those teams. And I think we, all of us there find at least. Two losses going into the Notre Dame game, if not three or four. So, USC is interesting. Uh, that could, if USC is a, t- a nine and two team going into that game, that could be really hyped up. That could be, you know, college game day. You got Notre Dame potentially getting into a playoff bid. So, what I want to kind of do now, guys, is kind of wrap up. Let's talk about how we see this season going for Notre Dame. What, what, what is the expectation for them like what do you think they should at least do and what do you think they will do and uh, do we all agree that their ceiling is 12 and 0 yes yeah 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 like i think at their best they can go 12 and 0. i'm not saying they will but i think at their at their best so uh p i'll start with you what do you think this team should should go and what do you think what is your prediction for them i want to say 12 and 0 12 and 0 but 
they should go at least 10 and 2. My prediction is 12 and 0. Steve? I actually echo the sentiment. Uh, th- this, this is a 10 and 2 football team if we live up to expectations. And if we exceed expectations, which is my expectation, I think that 12 and 0 is in play. So uh, 10 and 2 is a good barometer. 11 and 1 is most likely. 12 and 0 is, is what I'm, I, I honestly think it's in play. So I, I wouldn't crucify them if they go 9-3 and three in their first year with Marcus Freeman. I wouldn't like it because it means you lost your three games, your three big games, because I think we all agree there's three big games on the schedule, like big, big. Um, depending on how and what, like if we're down a quarterback, okay, that's understandable. But assuming normal amount of injuries, I'm with you guys. I think 10-2 and two is kind of the expectation because I view it as, Okay, Ohio State, you're an underdog, but you can win. Clemson should be a, a, a pick 'em that I think leans Notre Dame. And I think USC is a game that just leans Notre Dame. And I think of those three, you should probably win two. Like, I think 11 and one would be a really good and fair result for this team because they're capable of that. If you know, if if they lose one of the Clemson USC games, let's say they, they lose to Ohio State, then ten and two is fine. I think that's for a first year head coach with that tough schedule. But I expect more because I think you guys are with me on this. I think Tyler Buckner is going to be good. I'm I've always thought that. Even last year, I've seen only good things from him. Uh, you know, they didn't use him much as a thrower, but he was dynamic when he was in the run game. He's not just a runner. Because we know his high school background. He was actually a pocket passer first. He can throw the ball. So I kind of am expecting Tyler Buckner to not be a Heisman candidate, but to be a starting quarterback at Notre Dame. Ooh, very dynamic. Balls. Well, I mean, it's possible. It, uh, CJ Stroud was broke out as a sophomore. Tyler Buckner can as well. He can be in that conversation. And, and if he gets to the Heisman conversation, this team's going undefeated. So I, I think 10 and 2 is a fair uh, expectation. I want to say 12 and 0 uh, cuz I'm not going to pick them to lose any individual game. I'll just say on a balance I think 11 and 1 would be fine and realistic. But I'm going to take them to pick every to win every game. I can't pick against them. I've done that once and it was when we played Alabama and that was obvious. So uh, I think they can do it. I don't think 12 and 0 is unrealistic. It starts with the horseshoe. If you can go there and beat Ohio State, they're not unbeatable right Oregon's done it Michigan's done it just last year Utah almost did it in the bowl game and kind of should have I I I think we can hang with them and I think Marcus Freeman's got these boys with a different mentality and I think Notre Dame's going to come in hungry at that game and if they can get to an early start they could they could do anything so that's how I view the season um what do you think you think playoffs are in the are, are are in our sights yes yeah everything you just said I'm in complete and total agreement with I think a lot of the fans would agree with that too. I think I think we're starting to come together <laughs> as a group. I mean, you'll have your negative Nellies, but I think a lot of people see this team for what it is, which is a really talented team, just very inexperienced at the quarterback position, and of course with the coaching staff. But I believe in the coaching staff, and I believe in the quarterback. So I, I think it's totally possible. And just based off that, we have one mailbag question for this week. Uh, it actually is an you believing in the coaching staff is a good point here. Uh, our friend Regisson, uh says, 
uh, I was having a conversation with my dad about Freeman. Uh, and he told me that he believes that the ND higher ups and boosters are going to do whatever it takes so that Freeman cannot fail. He thinks this because the boosters are resentful about Kelly leaving. So they are putting all their eggs in the Freeman basket. He also believes that if Freeman wins a title at ND, then he'll win more than one. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about this? So if I start second question to first question, yes, if he wins one, he's going to win five. Like that, that's where it comes down to. He will, will win multiple if he wins one. Uh, I also think the boosters are coming to grips with going the Freeman route, the whatever it takes route because of NIL. So it's not exclusively spite because of Kelly, but it's because of the environment we're in now. PM yeah. with you 100%. I would just add, if he wins one, does he stick around? If he does, then yes. If he doesn't, then I'll be happy with one. But I, I'm with you. I think you, you answered that spot on. Yeah, and uh, just another thing here. It's You look at the health of the program and what we're going through. It's We, we have to put all of our support behind Freeman. Right. It's like they, they can't hold out resources and, and be and, and make this be like, uh, well, Marcus, if you want our support, you, you know, you're going to have to earn it. It's like, no, you know, he's already come in and he's proven, you know, he's had that famous quote, Notre Dame will change you if, if you let it. He's come in and he's all in. He's running practice. He's he's literally running laps with the players, shakes every single player's hand at every single practice. He's getting these guys to buy in. He's getting the recruits. He's getting the headlines. He's getting ESQ clothing. Shout out their unbelievably comfortable shirts to to sponsor him. Uh, I mean, he, this is a guy that has come in and he's done everything that that you would have asked and expected from him, and he's blown away all the expectations. So from Notre Dame's standpoint, it's like you have to go all in on the guy and just give him everything. Uh, and I know that that could potentially m- make us look bad or, or kind of um, l- give him the leverage or the power. But if that's what it takes for a national title, then that's what it takes. Because we, I, be- I think I'm speaking for everyone when I say that we would do literally anything at this point to, to get back to the promised land. And if you look at the health of this program and where it's at currently and how good we're recruiting now, if Marcus Freeman wins a national championship within the next three to five years – and he stays around, Dylan, to your point. I mean, if Notre Dame, who is incredible academic you know, standards, that is not the cool school. It's the school that it, it's you go there specifically not to take the easy way out, but to specifically take the hard way out between academics and, and all the other stuff that they do. It's cold. It's a, mis- a miserable place in the wintertime and throughout the, the end of football season. If he already has the talent he has, if we already have the program that we are, which is a top five program, and we're there now with the stink of a team that can't win the big game, just imagine where we're going to be when we start winning the big games. Like, I like P, to your point, once it's won, uh, it's floodgates. Like, this is going to be... Nine, you know, 1970s prime Notre Dame in their heyday. Like it, it could potentially be dynasty, because it, 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 the, the the sky is the limit with this guy. I mean, Marcus Freeman, I love you. 
I love you with every fiber of my being and I trust in you and, and we're just going to get to the promised land by one way or another. And that's just the way that it is. And one, I'm sure he appreciates it. One last point. Uh, when's the last time Notre Dame put the, put everything behind a coach? It wasn't with Kelly, obviously, because he left. Uh, Weiss, we didn't give him everything. He, I don't think he really wanted anything there. Willingham wasn't given a fair shake, if we're being honest. Bob well, Davies. It, but, he had a few bad seasons. But, yeah, I know you, the, you know the, the money seasons, wasn't there. Yeah, so, yeah. like, Willingham, no. Davey, no. O'Leary lasted five days. And then the last coach Notre Dame gave everything to was Holtz, right? And even And even then... Not they they I mean, throughout their tenure they pushed back on a lot. So if if you read under the tarnished dome, which was written in 1993 92 about uh, Lou Holtz and the Irish, uh, I just actually finished reading it. You'll see some things in there where they the the university gave a lot to Holtz. I don't I'm not saying Freeman is you know going under the tarnished dome, dome version too, but the last time Notre Dame said we're all in to win a title had to be with Holtz. So that's uh, that's interesting. I'd say this is the last time I think we had a preseason schedule this hard, like looking at it from the preseason, was 2012. And those of you who remember 2012, remember how that went. Um, that year we had – USC was the number one ranked team in preseason. They obviously ended up being 7-5, and five, so <laughs> you never know. The schedule looks hard, but you never know by the end of it. Maybe Clemson has a meltdown. Maybe Ohio State breaks down. Who knows? But looking at this, this is one of the toughest schedules I've ever seen in my lifetime as a Notre Dame fan because not only are you playing two top five teams in Clemson and Ohio State, you got a resurging USC, and then you got a bunch of really difficult – tough, good games against good teams, right? Like, they're not as good as you, but BYU, UNC, Boston College, that's that's a tough a tough break. It's not like you're getting cupcakes there. So what I want to ask you guys is, what's the trap game for you on this schedule? Who are you worried about? Syracuse, BC. Steve? BYU, BC. Yeah, I'll, I'm just taking BC. Like I said, um, it, it, we'll see. We'll see. Well, let's, we got to exercise those demons of BC in November after a big game. Um, so we've obviously got some listeners that aren't Notre Dame fans, uh, and bless you for putting up with us. Um, what I want to do kind of quickly here right before we, we lock this down, let's pick conference champions, and who do you like in the playoff? And we'll, we'll, we'll rapid fire this. So I'll just say the conference, you tell me the winner, and we'll work from there. We'll go in a roundtable. So P, the Big Ten. I just hope they all have fun. The dog shit school in Columbus. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'll take Ohio State, but I'm liking Nebraska to come out of the West. I'm, I'm fighting for the Love I'm fighting Nebraska. for the Cornhuskers. Um, and we're only doing the Power Five. Sorry, sorry, P. Um, let's go to the Pac-12. Washington. Utah. I'll take Utah as well. Ah, but... damn. Hey. <laughs> I like that a lot. I bet on Washington, but I also have a parlay with Utah on it. So, yeah, well, you're you're cooking either way there. Um, let's go to the Big Twelve. Oklahoma. Does it matter? Oklahoma. No, 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 no. Baylor. Steve, you're reading my mind. I think I was going <laughs> to go with Baylor too. I like those Bears, man, and I like their coach, Dave Arnanda. Or I think I said that right. Uh, ACC, our, our affiliate conference. Oh, 
Wolfpack. NC wow, State. NC State. I didn't see that coming. Um, Dylan, you answer. Let me think about this an extra 10 seconds. I want to be cool and take something hip, but uh, if I'm being honest with you, I think Clemson probably comes back and wins it. I know NC State is a popular pick right now, but I got to see it to believe it <laughs> with them. Uh, I'll, I'll take Clemson, but I didn't expect Pitt to win it last year, so who knows? I was going to think of somebody trendy, but the more I kept going down the list, like, yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I, I think that I, I, I did want to go with Mario Cristobal and, and the U. The U seems like they're fun. I just don't think that they're ready uh, quite yet. So I'll take the U to take uh, to take the, the title next year, but this year it's going to be Clemson, unfortunately. But, hey, it's a good thing for us and strength of schedule. And, well, I could say the SEC, or I'd rather say it, who's going to win the Alabama-Georgia Invitational? Um, I'm going Alabama. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> that's whatever. Uh, okay, so playoff. You guys, you guys feeling uh, before this? Before we go, Sunbelt, Southern Miss, MAC, Miami of Ohio, or Toledo, CUSA, UTEP, AAC, SMU, or Houston, go Cougs. Uh, CUSA, I also have a bet in for UAB, Mountain West, Fresno State, and Sunbelt, Funbelt, Marshall. You're an extraordinary right. human, P. We love you for it. Who are you taking in the playoffs, boys? Who's Notre your four? Dame, Notre Dame, Utah, Alabama. Tough oh, one this year. I think this year's tough. I think you're going to have a lot of really good one-loss champs. Give me a Notre Dame-Utah semi, an Ohio State-Bama semi, and then give me Ohio State in the final again. We'll beat the bricks off of them. I think that Ohio State is going to get the benefit of the doubt, even if Notre Dame beats them in week one. Uh, so, I, unfortunately, I think that Ohio State is going to break in. But what I think at the end of the season, when we when we compare resumes, the four most deserving teams are going to be Notre Dame, Alabama, Baylor, and Utah, which would be fun because we got two new teams. Well, it's interesting nobody's taking two SEC teams because I'm on the fence with that. I think Georgia takes a step back. Yes. And I think the SEC only gets one team this year, and I think it's going to be Alabama. I think the question is, as Alabama – undefeated or as Alabama had a loss. So Alabama's in for me. I would say Notre Dame and Ohio State are in. I'm going to say whoever wins that game wins out and whoever loses will win the rest of their schedule. And then I think it's down to either Utah, Baylor, Clemson. Clemson. Ooh, this is tough. So I got, yeah, I'll say Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Let's go with Utah. That sounds like a good. That's a no, good program. No man, I'm not. I'm not taking the Pac-12. There's no way I can take the Pac-12 here. I will say Baylor gets in. All right. That's, I think Baylor might be able to do it. I don't know. I hate that pick. This is a tough year, and that, that makes it fun. I think Alabama is probably better than ever. So I think maybe it won't be as competitive as we would hope. But I think number two down to number ten, I think, is more competitive this year than it's been in most other years. So. That, that should be fun, and we'll see how this goes. I mean, if Tyler Buckner is the Heisman winner, Notre Dame's winning a national championship. So I'll leave you with that. Fair enough. Um, 
do we have any additional closing notes that we have for our fans or are we just going to circle back next week and let everyone know our completely unfiltered and may I add very stupid, but simultaneously extremely intelligent takes. Uh, the only thing I got to say is be nice to everyone on Twitter. Uh, don't be a chicken little and go Irish. Be Buckeyes. Works for me. I'm going to go enjoy the night out in Louisville, Kentucky We will talk to you guys next week. We will serenade you with our noise. Dylan, close us out, pal. Well, if you enjoy our content or if you just put up with it, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You know, rate, subscribe, share. Follow us on Twitter at HorsemanPod. Honestly, at this point, we're more of a Twitter account because we're pretty hilarious over there. Um, if If you're not there, you're missing out. So come check us out. I don't know. I watched the 1973 National Championship game against Alabama, so I'm pretty hyped up. Notre Dame's the greatest thing in the world. Clements might be the most underrated quarterback in Notre Dame history. Um, Anything else to say? I really don't like Ohio State, and I'm really looking forward to that game. So uh, go Irish, beat the mouth breathers.